0: previously on Undertelly. JT, in a nutshell,
1: how right did neighbours get hot air ballooning? On a scale of one to ten, with one being totally wrong and ten being totally right, I'd give this about a three.
0: You're listening to Undertelly with Oleg Novak, infiltrating the murky underworld of Aussie TV. After a lackluster performance by our friends on Ramsey Street, John Turnbull joins us again for part two of our hot air ballooning exposé as we ask the question, how right did Rescue Special Ops get hot air ballooning? Debuting in
1: 2009,
0: Rescue Special Ops followed the lives and loves of a Sydney-based special operations rescue unit. It received some pretty mixed reviews over its three-season run for Channel 9, despite a very catchy theme tune. In this edition of Undertelly, John and I are taking a look back at episode 11 of series one. Now, you kind of hit this point in our last episode, JT, when we discussed how a lot of money in Aussie shows seems to go into the production, the look, the camera... But judging by this episode, often not enough seems to go into the writing process.
1: So it would seem. Um, I am not sure if Rescue Special Ops was written by a human or some kind of computer program that, you know, knows when to hit the dramatic beats. But yeah, there were, there were some fundamental problems with this that really could have been worked out with some slightly earlier consultation with balloonists, because they did genuinely seem to make an effort um, at one stage uh, with, with Rescue Special Ops. But, you know, their starting point came from... From uh, unfortunately deep ignorance. Should we take a photo of the balloon now? Yes.
0: So what happens in this episode? Well, we've got a bride who's about to get married and there's a balloon waiting for her at her wedding. But somehow she manages to set the balloon off and it flies away with just the bride on board. The rescue team are then called in to help chase the rogue balloon down with lots of unfolding intrigue throughout the episode. So to kickstart the analysis of the episode, JT, we actually start off in the Hunter Valley. I understand that's a pretty cool place to fly that you guys often fly in.
1: The Hunter is a lovely place to fly. It's uh, it's close to Sydney, uh, where I live, and it has an amazing variety. Um, You have lots of different places to take off, and the guys that uh, run the commercial operation um, in the Hunter Valley are actually the number one and two pilots in Australia. So they're spectacular pilots, really, really welcoming. And, of course, you have the... um, chance of going to the wineries post flying and uh, enjoying your day that way
0: yeah perfect and what actually what makes a good flying
1: location uh variety there are a number of things it's good not to be in a built-up area flying over sydney uh, while it can be done with the proper permissions is incredibly stressful because you have to find essentially a golf course or a football over to land on um so good open landing areas is good places like canberra are great where you can take off in town and fly out of town um friendliness of, of the landowners is, is imperative because we rely on the, the charity of, of landowners to, to land on their properties and to take our vehicles on and, and take them off. In some areas, again like Canberra, you have the advantage of there's a lot of government land that we can land on, you know, without asking specific permission. But equally, you've got a lot of places that lock their gates and build big big, big fences. Um, I had a complaint from the Governor-General um, a few years ago when I flow a little, little too low of the Governor-General's residence. And it wasn't the Governor-General at the time, who was the, the lovely lady Quentin Bryce. It was her husband, who was staying in that house on the, on the uh, taxpayer's dollar and was complaining about a beautiful balloon coming a little too close to his um, free rental property. So um, I took that... Um, complaint with the appropriate amount of uh, reverence, as you can tell. Wow. How did he complain just out of interest? He called the event organisers and said I'd invaded his personal space. That would have been pretty exciting. JT, you've got a call from the Governor-General. Well, it, it gave me a minute of, what did I do wrong? Nothing. That's what I did wrong. And then you got right back to your champagne. Right back to it and flew past his place again the next day.
0: (laughs) Amazing. So essentially, JT, they get that part right. That's the first second. But then within the first 30 seconds, there's a pretty major issue because the balloon is
1: just sitting there, inflated and unattended. This happens remarkably often in TV dramas. Some of the worst of them, you'll see a balloon sitting there overnight, um, and people who just come and jump in at first thing in the morning and take off. Um, balloons are um, not necessarily stable vehicles um, when they're placed out there. You know, they are affected by wind. And if you don't keep the air inside at a certain temperature, as I say, the balloon will collapse. So, uh, yes, it's a lovely idea that you might have a balloon just sitting there at the wedding ceremony. I would suggest there might have been someone crouched down in the basket the entire time,
0: because then this happens. <laughs>
1: Supposed to happen. No. No. Why did the balloon just
0: fly off like that?
1: Um, it's a mystery. Um, dramatic impetus, perhaps, because, no, there is nothing that would cause that balloon to go off. If it was sitting there um, comfortably on the ground and the bride got in, that increases the weight in it, which decreases the chance that it will take off. Um, she would have had to turn on the burner for a significant period of time for it to take off. And then... I'm not sure if we're going to play the clip, but um, someone, one person, a smart wedding guest, does the right thing and grabs the rope, and then the pilot says possibly the stupidest thing in the entire episode of because she's in a relatively small balloon. She's in a balloon that's around about 77,000 cubic feet. If you had just one other person jump on the bottom of that rope, that balloon's not going there anywhere. If you have all of those wedding guests jump on that rope, the balloon is down on the ground in two seconds. The other thing that was fundamentally wrong with this scene is that the pilot shouts out... Do not touch anything! Incredibly, this is the worst possible thing he could have said. It is really easy to get a balloon to go down. There is a big red line that's attached to uh, what we call a parachute or a smart vent in the top of the balloon. The pilot would have shouted out, pull the red line! She would have pulled the red line and landed immediately without a problem.
0: It's a pretty major issue with what you're saying, JT, because then, again, like with Neighbours, this episode would have finished within the first 30 seconds.
1: Oh, but you would have had all of the intrigue about her cheating on her uh, fiancé, I want to say. Fiancé. And, of course, the drunken wedding party and the shenanigans that would have happened with them. Yeah, let's not talk about that. That's in a subplot which we're not going to go into. I'd like to say it writes itself, but it clearly doesn't. you got a blushing bride up in an air balloon and
0: a wretched groom on the ground. I'm clearing airspace now. Should be a big job, wind speeds low, no gusts, she can't have gone far. So, as the episode continues, the bride continues to freak out in the balloon, while good old Phelpsy, Peter Phelps, coordinates things from rescue base,
1: including clearing the airspace. So, would they clear the airspace if they had a rogue balloon? There would be no need to clear the airspace uh, for... First reasons they're actually flying relatively low. They're not flying up uh, at the, the level that commercial jets fly. Secondly, you have uh, the equivalent of a four-storey, very colourful four-storey building that's flying. Uh, even the um, least attentive airline pilot would be able to avoid that. The other thing is the, te- the time of day you tend to fly. In the Hunter Valley, um, the uh, close airstrip is very aware that there are balloons flying, so you wouldn't need to redirect the, um, the air traffic. It was a nice thought, though, you know.
0: Very nice. thought was by. involved. Ah, good old Phelpsy.
1: <gasps> Everything down there's getting smaller and smaller. There's all Candace, ropes there Candace and they're just a That is not gonna happen. The balloon will come down all by itself. It's gonna crash. No, it's not gonna crash. It will slowly and gradually lose height and come down gently onto the ground. How do you
0: know this? Stuff? But interestingly, speaking of Phelpsy and also Les Hill's character in the show, as the episode continues. They talk quite a bit of sense on ground, which is interesting because they're getting
1: things right on ground. You mentioned JT, but so wrong in the air. This is remarkable, and this this speaks to I would suggest the filming process. So they, they had the script written, and then they had to bring in a balloon pilot and crew to actually shoot it. And I would imagine that that Phelpsy and um, Lee. Want to say Lee? Les, Les Hill, Les. Phelpsy and Les. Um had a chance to chat to this balloon pilot and the balloon pilot or the crew probably had a word in there and say, that's not how balloons work. This is how balloons work because, yeah, it was amazing. Um, both of them really made some good points about how balloons will come down if you don't touch the burner and it was, they, they had the inside track but um, they clearly didn't have the awareness that what they were saying wasn't happening.
0: I'm going to be electrocuted. Not if you do exactly
1: as I say, above you there should be a, a big handle or a lever. Can you see it?
0: But as the bride continues to drift along, suddenly for no reason at all, the balloon is heading for power lines and the riders decide to use the burner for the first time in the episode. Um, The rescue team then gets the bride to pull a lever, which I'm guessing controls the burner, uh, to make the balloon go higher. They, They
1: then ask her to turn it the other way to make it go down. That's not correct. Yes, I was thinking about this. It's possible that they were meant to just turn the burner off. Um, in terms of turn the, the handle the other way. But uh, this, it makes a, a similar uh, sort of mistake to uh, one of my favourite shows, which is The Simpsons, who have covered ballooning a couple of times. And um, at one point when Homer is hanging naked from the bottom of a balloon, Marge pulls a different level, and a torrent of flame shoots out the bottom of the basket. Obviously, this would be no use at all for balloons, uh, because we don't act as war, uh, airborne war vehicles. I'm OK, honey. Now listen very carefully. I want you to pull on the thing... That's near the other thing. You mean this thing? Ah! No, that was not the thing. But it just speaks to how shows can get something fundamentally wrong for the sake of, you know, either comedy or dramatic. Unfortunately,
0: this doesn't fit in within the remit of this podcast because we're about Australian TV. But I would love to listen to a podcast reviewing Simpsons in relation to hot air ballooning. Oh,
1: look, they have covered it a number of times, and they tend to get it more right than uh, than most live action shows. possibly really? Because they have the ability to to animate it rather than, you know, go to the expense of getting real people involved.
0: I find that pretty fascinating that the Simpsons can get ballooning more right than Neighbours in Rescue Special Ops.
1: It is well, remarkably, what a lot of the shows that tend to get it the most right are children's shows because they don't overcomplicate it with uh, with dramatic subplots and that sort of thing. They go, "Here's Big Ted, he's going on a balloon flight," and if you track down that episode of Play School from I want to say the mid '80s uh, with the ballooning in it, and they get everything perfectly right because they don't try to overcomplicate it, and it's a great. Um, learning tool for children. The fact that children shows can get it right when you know adult shows can't is a little bit of a sad indictment on the way Australian dramas are written. It's great work, you're over. Well done. Well done. A
0: bit dizzy.
1: All right, Kenneth. We need to bring you back down. So turn the handle back the other way. I feel faint. She's hyperventilating. Just try to calm down. Take big, slow, deep breaths. Dizzy.
0: She must have fainted. And then the bride faints for no reason at all. And there's a few
1: issues with that as well. There is. I mean, you, you could, if you were being very generous, say it's just the, the excitement of the day got to her and she passed out. But it is heavily implied um, in the script, in the show, that she passes out through lack of oxygen. Now, at the highest um, she could be, she would be about six or 7,000 feet. And I actually think they might mention that in the script. Uh, legally, you don't need to carry oxygen in a balloon until you're flying over 10,000 feet, and you don't need to use it until you're above 15,000 feet. So you could fly at 7,000 feet for days at a time and never have any shortness of breath. There's plenty of oxygen at 7,000 feet.
0: I love how literally every major
1: plot point you can uh, shoot down with fact. <laughs> Well, that, that's that's a good thing about uh, knowledge. It sort of helps you sort of work out what's right and what's wrong in the world. And you know, when you start messing with physics, then things don't quite work. Here's to knowledge. Can't they just shoot that thing down? That
0: would be a no.
1: Why not? It's just like pricking a balloon at a party, isn't it? The air comes out, it fizzes around the room, and then it comes down. <laughs>
0: So then shocker of the twist, JT, it turns out the bride undid the ropes herself because she couldn't deal with the wedding. That's one of, side note, that's one of my issues with Rescue Special Ops, that no, no matter what rescue they have, they seem to always have the need to turn it into some sort of a mystery because they can't get enough drama out of the actual core cast.
1: There was a hint of Scooby-Doo to it, I must say. Scooby-Doo. It, it, it did have that forced mystery, and I, I, I did think that possibly that unconvincing balloon pilot would pull off a mask and reveal that he was her secret lover or something like that, but they didn't take that choice. Very, very big miss, I think.
0: Uh, Scooby-Doo, that's such a great comparison. And, like, that's another thing, because Police Rescue, I know you know that I'm a massive Police oh, Rescue absolutely. nerd, but they did it much better because
1: they didn't have to resort to that kind of gimmicky stuff. They just got enough drama out of the actual rescue. Yeah, and, and that's it. And, you know, we mentioned the the, the sort of side plot about the, the drunken... Um Bride, the bridal party that we're not going to go into in this podcast. But that is the perfect example of, you know, you have a premise that should be strong enough to sustain a show and half of it is taken off on this very pedestrian side plot. Something about sexual harassment in the workplace.
0: Then the episode continues and another complication.
1: Something's wrong.
0: Why is the balloon suddenly on fire?
1: Yeah, I couldn't figure this one out myself, particularly if, um, if the, uh, the bride in question is unconscious. Uh, there is no way the balloon could have caught fire. Um, balloons, um, just as a point of reference, are made from a relatively fireproof material. So even if the, the, blo- the, the burner flame touches the side of the balloon, it will burn out a couple of panels and then the flame will stop. It's really, really difficult to set fire to balloon in midair like that. It's, it's an incredibly rare occurrence. Um, and would on- the only time I've seen something like that happen was in, uh, in Canberra about 12 or 13 years ago. And a, um, a pilot who was visiting from overseas had a hard landing and one of his passengers knocked uh, a connector off his tank. And it was something that was not made for that tank, so he shouldn't have been flying with it. But he had raw propane spewing into the basket and immediately got himself and his passengers out. And so what happened then, the balloon does what balloons did and then took off into the sky with the basket on fire. So that scared so yeah, the hell out of everyone else who saw it, and one of the tanks actually fell out of that and fell through a roof of a house in Canberra. But no one was hurt, no one died, and because of the pilot's quick thinking, all of his passengers were fine. So that's it's a nice counterpoint of what happens in a real world emergency versus what happens in a in a TV drama when the pilot makes every possible wrong decision. You know, the training that every balloon pilot goes through prepares you for the worst.
0: Atlas? Candace, can you hear me? Wake up! Wake up, Candice! And JJ, would
1: the gas cylinders explode like that? No, the, the gigantic um, explosion that I think happens off-screen for budgetary reasons, um, it, you know, um, gas tanks, even your little barbecue ones uh, up to the, the full-size ones that we use in our balloons and cabs use, are designed not to explode. Uh, they can be ruptured. They will vent their gas um, through a couple of different methods um, at the top of the tank. But no, they are designed not to explode. So... Absolutely fine.
0: It sounds like I'd be safer going home in a hot air balloon rather than my car, JT. I,
1: having seen your chirolic, that may well be the case, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then we ignore the balloon plot for a big chunk of the episode, JT. I know, right? One of the. There's some subplots about some good old workplace sexual harassment and, in, and internal stalking. Can I just ask, why is everyone sleeping together in the show? I've got some notes here. So there's the Libby Tanner, Les Hill, Gigi Edgeley triangle. There's the Libby Tanner and some random detective. And also Roxanne Wilson and Phelpsy. Our
1: um, liaison at the station. Uh, yeah?
0: These are all great actors, and I feel like they could just need some better material.
1: I think it may be that they cast a bunch of really good-looking people and maybe that's happening behind the scenes and the writers are just writing it in. So, you know, maybe that love triangle's really happening. We're sending Chase and
0: Jordan in now. How did
1: this happen? Something else is going on here just before the balloon exploded. She told us she was the one who let
0: it go. And then another twist because uh, halfway through the episodes, it turns out the bride was actually sleeping with the best man and that's why she undid the ropes because she just couldn't deal with that conversation.
1: Yes, you've got to wonder how many weddings that happens at, that it's revealed that the bride's sleeping with the best man. I would suggest if, if you're in that situation, anyone who's listening to this podcast, maybe have the chat before you um, jump in a hot air balloon and fly away.
0: Some sage life advice right there. So the rescue team then managed to find the balloon and locate the bride. But with the balloon drama sorted, the rescue team now have a more serious problem to deal with, with a mysterious video being sent to the rescue station manager showing said station manager copulating with another crew member in her office.
1: Yes, it could be worse. It could have been that one with Tony Blair and the pig, I suppose.
0: I still need to watch that.
1: Is the wedding still on?
0: Uh, She's still missing, guys. Of
1: course she is. That's our candy. All the surprises.
0: Uh, Now, having watched that episode of Rescue JT, how does it compare with Neighbours?
1: Look, I think the fact that they managed to get some competence in the script, particularly from from Feltsy and Les's perspective, um, raises it a couple of levels above um, above what we saw in Neighbours. The fact they filmed it in the Hunter Valley, um, you know, adds to the authenticity of it. However, you know, if I had to give it a mark out of 10, it would barely be a pass. I'd give it a 5 out of 10, I think. That's still a pass. Still a pass when I was at school. Exactly. Peas get degrees. And I guess, JT, having watched both
0: those episodes now, do you reckon these guys obviously would find it hard to create drama while portraying hot air ballooning realistically?
1: Mm, Absolutely. Look, hot air ballooning is is, uh, an incredibly tranquil sport. Um, and even sport is a bit of a stretch, really. It's an incredibly tranquil pastime. And adding drama to that um, for the general viewing populace is very difficult. However, you can absolutely see why people want to do it in dramas. Pe- balloons are beautiful things to see on screen. You know, they're very majestic. And, you know, with the right dramatic impetus, they can be used really well. There was a movie made in the uh, in the 1970s called Green Ice, where a bunch of small balloons called cloud hoppers were used to... Um, steel emeralds hence the green ice and for a movie shot at the 1970s much of it at night it just managed to get everything right enough to make you ignore the one or two shots where you could see all the balloons tied together or that sort of thing because they went over and above and made it part of the plot and an integral part as opposed to here's a bit of tacked on drama.
0: There you go. So there's, there are some people that can get it right.
1: There are some people that can get it right. And, you know, if you really want to start with someone, start with children's TV because they really seem to have that pure, unadulterated, unfettered view of the world that they can actually get things right. And being educators, I think they probably have more of a, uh, a drive to actually, you know, focus on the details as opposed to the drama. The drama.
0: And finally, JT, um, having watched both Rescue Special Ops and Neighbours, Will You Fly Again?
1: Uh, I will fly again. I actually flew yesterday. I was down in Canberra. I had a lovely flight over Canberra yesterday, and I'm planning to go to the Hunter Valley in about two weeks. So uh, I would suggest that nothing I could see on an Australian drama would um, change my love for ballooning.
0: Amazing. Thanks so much for your time, JT. Cheers, Oleg. And that was part two of our Hot Air Ballooning Exposé with special guest John Turnbull. John will be back soon for part three, in which we see if Aussie drama can redeem itself from the ballooning standards set by Neighbours and Rescue Special Ops. But for now, I'm Oleg Novak. I'll catch you flaming galaz next time. You're listening to Undertelly with Oleg Novak,
1: Mount Cola's fastest-growing Aussie TV podcast.